you are joining the Closeted Chaos Podcast of Kind Mind Wellness with Nicole Bolden. Conversations about mental health, holistic wellness, intentional living, peace in the midst of chaos, the chaos itself, and all the things in between. I'm thrilled you've tuned in. So settle in, get grounded, take a deep breath, reset your mind, and let's chat. I'm here with my son, Blake. Hi. Joining us tonight as my co-host, literally recording as we launch this podcast in my walk-in closet on the floor, this time for acoustical reasons rather than the chaos that I used to come hide from or bring into my closet. So... Talk to us about mental health, Blake. Um, I think mental health is very important. And um, it's really not touched upon as much as it needs to be um, with a lot of people. And um, a lot of people will, like, um, just kind of ignore it and um, uh, kind of... Uh, brush over it like it's not something um so important as it is when really um our brains are uh set to have emotional releases and um a lot of stuff like that so um we need to be able to understand how our brain works and our mental health um, state to uh um to further develop our brain and our uh the way we um can deal with uh a lot of things we deal with in life every day. Yeah, definitely. And would you say, like, you're in high school, so do you see a lot of stuff that goes on at school that's mental health related? Like, even with your teachers or staff or your friends or just acquaintances, kids that you know? Um, yeah, I'd say sometimes I notice, like, teachers... um sometimes just uh could be a little better at like uh handling some of the difficult kids better like the way they control their own um reaction to even sometimes kids insulting the teachers or their wife (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think um a lot of teachers um should already be touching on mental health and a lot of um how to handle kids um even when um they're being difficult and um sometimes just mean yeah so almost like they're in a dysregulated state themselves so how do they help regulate somebody else's who doesn't maybe have any sort of education in mental health or how to regulate their emotions yeah and i'd say even maybe they should just um Really, they should just have, like, um, how businesses will train their employees before doing something. They should have, like, training things on, like, uh, instead, like, when those board meetings they have. Or they kind of um, could teach the, some of the... Or they could have someone come in and kind of um, help the teachers learn on how to handle these situations and kids better. But, like, almost like a, a staff training type thing. Yeah, for sure. I definitely see how a training would help... 
And also, if you if the teacher or the staff member isn't doing the work themselves to understand their regulation system, do you think that that's kind of a key role in how they manage their classroom and kids? Um, I'd say... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Because it's like you can implement policies and procedures that yeah, but you would can't help. Just, you can't force people. Like, there can be rules and stuff, and like, but in the end, it's got to be a, it's got to be like a whole new thinking. Like, it can't just be something that you have to do. It's got to be something that's part of the job. Like, almost like implemented in each teacher's like way of teaching. Yeah. I mean, you definitely can't force mental health on people. And it just would be nice if we remove this stigma for some of the older generations even so that they do get the help that they so desperately need to interact with themselves, really. And then once they figure that out, then they can interact with others and other people's children's maybe a little bit better. I think it's just really a lack of knowledge because past generations really weren't taught any of this stuff. I mean, I mean, for, for the amount of people that are still alive from that generation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, especially, yeah. I mean, the baby boomer generation, that's like grandma and papa. So they're older and I think they're making progress with putting out an effort to try to understand, but that's not what it was when Gen X was being raised by them. I mean, we did a lot of stuff on our own and maybe mental health was kind of talked about if you were in quotes crazy or had um, a chemical imbalance And had a massive diagnosis, but that's what it was. So even now we've debunked in modern neurology the whole thought behind a chemical imbalance. And pretty much all diagnoses are rooting down to trauma, which a lot of people don't even have a full understanding of what trauma is. They think it's something major or big and a major violation that goes against someone, but it could literally be just... Something that sets your body off and fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. So I think it's just like a real lack of education um, for the generations that are raising this generation, which is why maybe there's so much crisis going on. Do you think there's like a lot of people your age that maybe struggle even inwardly with anxiety and depression? Um, yeah, I'd say I, a lot of people with anxiety and stuff like that, just on the daily average. And yeah, I definitely, there's definitely a lot of, um, kids that, um, seem like they're kind of depressed and, um, are, you know, having like crisis and stuff because, you know, they're trying to find an identity for themselves and, um, 
because they're just so hurt and um and sometimes um I don't know, yeah. They just kind of um, um Yeah, I'd say um pretty much like It just, I mean, for a lot of people, the depression and stuff will come out a lot of different ways, so. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you see people dealing with it, even if they're not, like, in your friend circle? Um, I don't know. I don't really feel like people just don't really deal with it. They just kind of sit there and. Until it just kind of, like, blows over and becomes, like can't ignore it anymore severity yeah yeah for sure do you see it it doesn't really seem to be like a certain group or socioeconomic class it seems like it's just kind of hitting everybody so even with people in the church do you see that too yeah, and I'd say, um, I mean, there's definitely, like, groups of people that you can tell, like, obviously, like, they're all kind of in the same spot, or, like, in the same, like, area of, um, of where they're at emotionally and stuff, but also, um, I mean, it's just kind of hiding all over in a lot of people, even in the people you wouldn't expect, like, the people you least expect. Yeah. For sure. I think that's kind of like a tale as old as time, too. Like, we always wonder, and everyone always says, even after someone who has committed suicide or... Yeah, it's always the person that they're like, oh, you know, they were the best, everybody loved them. Yeah, seemed so happy. Yeah, they always had more than other people, like, um, seemed like they had everything they wanted. Yeah, and kind of like not to to put too much into the two but a lot of people say this we watch a lot of dateline in 2020 but don't they say it too about and unsolved like, mysteries and unsolved mysteries and don't isn't that kind of like the same consensus with people that have like psychotic breaks and do like extreme things like chop up their spouse <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just some, like, telltale signs in all these shows that we watch. But the neighbors are always like, oh, well, you know, John, we never really expected John Doe to, like, cut up his wife. Or, you know, they always seem like they got along and had such a great, strong marriage. You never expected them to um, poison their spouse with antifreeze, but... (laughs) But it happened. And not to, like, make light or laugh. It's, like, super serious, but... It's like, how long are we going to keep ignoring what's going on around us? Because it's like, until it personally impacts us, we're just like, la, la, la. Oh, that's them. It could never happen to me. Yeah, it's almost like a natural disaster or something or like a storm. Yeah. You always think, oh, yeah, well, like, you know, tsunamis are hitting in other countries and stuff. But, you know, um, that stuff happens everywhere. I mean, even in California and stuff, there's... We could have massive earthquakes and stuff. I mean, it doesn't happen as often, like, not really that often. But, I mean, you know, they always are saying <laughs> the big one's coming. So, you never know when yeah. it might, might hit. Or if, if um, the rubble will just be a 
an earthquake or anything. You gotta be ready for that. Yeah. And even if you're like ready for it, you're never like really ready for it. You know, so it's like you really have to get down to the deep issue in order to kind of be prepared for when it hits. Because like, I don't know, I guess sometimes it's like you equate it to like, oh, well, the kids that are suffering or the kids that have like mental health diagnosis or breaks or that are troubled at school, that they must have like a hard home life or bad parents. And that's not really what we're seeing right now. We're seeing that it's hitting a variety of people, that there is no, like good parents are having kids struggle greatly with depression and good parents are struggling themselves in their own identity and figuring out what's going on with them. I think COVID like removes so many distractions that it was kind of like undeniable. Like you just either are choosing to deal with it or choosing to avoid dealing with it. But whether you're talking about it or not, it's there. It's underlining people are suffering. People are not in a good place mentally at some point. Like, maybe not every day, but, like, at some point. Which impacts their kids and their families. Well, yeah, and I think there's a um, a lot more, like, power struggle and um, a lot more issues happening because, um, you know, a lot of the kids and stuff are going through the same thing that the adults are. So it's just one big massive clump of, like, you know, everyone's having the same problem and yet it seems like everyone's so distant far away yeah just trying to deal with it instead of just being like hey i'm struggling let's communicate or hey i need help like we'd rather just distract like i think kids and adults like let's find the distraction let's do more things let's drink more smoke more weed like um even um, people say, like, oh, you know, they want to go talk to a therapist or anything. Um, and sometimes it's just not for people. Like, talking just feels like it's just, like, makes you anxious. And, like, you can't you can't really express your feelings how you want to. And even if you're up for it, like, um, it's still hard. So it's, like, almost like, um, so um, brain spotting is another alternative that... Um, is easier because you don't have to talk and um it's kind of like a, a dive into your brain yeah and so obviously i'm a brain spotting practitioner i take advanced courses study it um and so i obviously love it i've done it myself um, where I was getting nowhere with talk therapy and I love my talk therapist. I loved her cause she held me accountable. Sometimes she cussed. She was just kind of like out of the box and out of the normal, what you think. And yet it just wasn't enough. It caused a whole lot of chaos with inside me though, because it's like I flooded, all these emotions came up, but like you said, like not everything that anxiety hits when you're talking about stuff 
And so, yeah, for me, the brain spotting is awesome. And you have someone you see on your own that does brain spotting that happens to be licensed and offers a variety of other therapies. But like, what is your experience of brain spotting without going into an uncomfortable amount of detail? I mean, you brought it up. So tell us. Like, what's the physical release? Can you kind of describe that without going into detail on what goes in your sessions? Um, yeah, it's, um, and you're pretty intense at some points, but I mean, also there's different ways you can spot. You know, you could spot like calmer spots. You could spot more intensely. I like to do it intensely just because I like to really just hit it on the, hit it on the head of the nail, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can get pretty intense. You feel like you want to throw up. You can feel like your throat's closing up. You feel like, um, your chest aching or you feel like tingling in your chest. Um, I mean, I've had it where I felt like my hands were in different spots than they actually were. Um, sometimes it'll feel like you kind of like lose a little consciousness out of your body, which is kind of, kind of trippy. And, um, um, and even the side effects and stuff will last for a while, um, make you feel pretty junky for, uh, for a few days, which, um, going to school and stuff, um, usually is tough when, after spotting, but, uh, like, the next day or whatever. And then you have to go deal with your dysregulated teachers. <laughs> yeah, teachers, <laughs> friends, it's... It's pretty rough, but you know. Well, what's the upside though? I um, mean, do you have the release after those side effects? I mean, I feel like it brings more closure to things. Like, even after you talk about things, sometimes it's like you still don't feel closure with it, and um, and it kind of needs to feel like I can put it to rest type thing. But after brain spotting, it just kind of feels like some of it will go away and the side effects of feeling what you feel when you think about it. And it just feels like you can kind of, you can kind of lay things to rest. Like, you can really, you can just, you just kind of can be done with it. Yeah. Do you ever have, like, um, like, physical effects after, like, um, like, where they feel, like, bodily releases or, like more loose joints or less oh yeah i've had um like i've never been able to crack the left side of my neck or like even my right from some of the right part of my neck so much but i can now and i don't know um why that is i always thought it was from football but it was actually i guess probably from i just need to release something connected to that because um now i can crack both sides of my neck and my neck feels really loose um, I mean, other than that, I don't think anything else. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, switching gears, like, what do you think about, like, different mindfulness practices? Because you have your toolbox pretty full, too. Like, do you use those at your age? Do you like just having them there to know that you could resource back to them? Like, breathing, meditation... Um, well, I do, um, sometimes if I'm high tense or something, I'll do some resource spotting kind of on my own. Yeah. Because well, all you have to do is find it, find like a spot to look at. 
mm-hmm. and um and just kind of take deep breaths and just feel calmer yeah um so i do that sometimes and um that's either that or i'll just kind of um yeah i'd say that's probably it but do you feel like there's like an a more of awareness that you have now that maybe other people your age don't have or that you didn't have before where you know like hey i'm feeling this way and um i'm going to resource spot you know whereas maybe like sometimes you may not be able to have that awareness or some people don't have that awareness to even realize until it's like at a severe level but you can kind of catch it at a lower level um yeah i feel like um i'm pretty good at being slow to anger yeah what about anxiousness or just whatever it manifests in you because it's not always like anger right like can it be like anxiety yeah i feel like i can catch a lot of stuff like that at pretty low levels yeah just so i don't get myself riled up for anything especially over stuff that's really just not worth it yeah i definitely get that for sure yeah even um yeah and a lot of stuff is just like um realizing when it's like oh yeah that kind of bugged me but kind of taking it to the side and being like i'm not gonna let this upset me because uh it's not really uh all that's gonna do is reflect what i'm thinking and stuff and that i'm getting upset and uh it really won't do me any good yeah no i agree and then it gives you like um, at least for me, it gives you like a calm spot to where you can like communicate without almost like without any distractions. Cause you don't have like the bodily responses maybe that are like kind of making you uncomfortable to either not speak or shove it down or maybe so anxious that your delivery isn't quite what you want. Like you're just really able to stay present and grounded in what you need to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump gears. Thanks for sharing and bringing that up. I think that's awesome. We'll definitely get more into that with different people um, brain spotting on the podcast. And I just kind of wanted to touch base because this is the launch episode of um, why it is called closeted chaos is <laughs> awkward as this is um because i don't even think blake knows why it's called this but um my closet is kind of like the spot where i could go to cry because i wasn't really a big choir i was definitely a big shover um i would have conversations as the chaos of outside family or friends was bringing it because you know as a perfectionist and people pleaser you fix the world's problems along with that as well um that's kind of the codependent aspect too so i know conversations probably for decades now um have happened in my closet tears um we'll get into this more but my brother died um 
several years ago and his ashes were actually in my closet for several years. Um, so sometimes even when I needed to cry that or I don't know, I was always a little creeped out, which if you have, everyone grieves differently. So no judgment on how you, I just felt a little creeped out for me personally But at the same time, I was in such this complicated grief state that is like, you want to be closer, but then your brain's like, wow, this is super creepy. And um, so there was that, there were times when I was just upset. So I would come hide in my closet, whether that's from momming or wifing or just adulting and not really understanding what's happening. I had my first panic attack in my closet, my first anxiety attack in my closet. Um, I think when I first started journaling, I would hide in my closet because I never wanted to journal. And by I mean, when I first started journaling, I would get the feelings will and write out a feeling in a list form. Um, because I was never going to journal. So a lot of things have come down in my closet, um, which isn't always clean. And the current state is it's definitely not as organized as I would like it. And it's not a dreamy closet. There's stuff everywhere. It's not necessarily hoarding, but it's not a welcome to my cribs type of closet either. <laughs> TMZ Cribs. <laughs> yeah, this is not uh, MTV Cribs at all. In fact, I'm looking at trash sitting on a shelf as we speak. Um, but that's a little bit about what it is. So it was like more like internal chaos, the chaos that was happening around me and the safe space I created, which was in my closet. And now I am my safe space. Um, and I don't have to sit in my closet. I use my voice. I set boundaries. Um, I'm progressively working on non-perfectionism. So imperfectly perfect, I guess. So thanks for joining me, Blake, on this launch session. It was fun doing it with you. Yeah. I think it was cut through a little bit of the awkwardness of what we're going to say and having it be natural kind of ran its course. So we got a lot more coming up, a lot of real talk, some confessions, family secrets. Um, yeah, so much tips mindfulness and we'll see you on the next episode thanks for tuning in for more info follow us on instagram at kindmind.wellness or connect with us on the web at kindmindwellness.org be kind to your mind and make your mark